Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, welcome into the Christmas edition Unfortunately, a losing addition to the No Quarter Given podcast. A terrible, terrible uh, loss on Sunday at home to the Cincinnati Bengals, 34-23. The Bucks fall to 6-8, and eight, but yet still lead the NFC South somehow, some way. Welcome in Peter Blake. Peter Blake, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I felt like uh, we got coal in our stocking after that game on Sunday. Everything started out so beautifully. But uh, you know, it's 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 the Bucks season this year. It didn't necessarily finish that well. Yeah, we're gonna get into that here in just a second. Just remember the uh, No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by the BuckPower.com podcast network. Definitely go to BuckPower.com for all of your Buccaneer history, stats, video, audio. You'll hear from Paul Stewart here later in this podcast to give you his his montage of the Bucks Bengals of the Bucks, excuse me, Arizona Cardinals rivalry coming up here on Christmas night. In the desert, you'll have a Christmas night to uh, spend watching the Bucks. You'll get to hear some Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth on the call, Peter Blake. That would be a lot good. That would be that would be real good to hear, hopefully uh, with the Bucks win, of course, on Christmas night. And I'll be doing a post-game show, obviously. Hopefully somebody's up that night. Hopefully it's a Bucks win. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's get into the uh, the game a little bit. Uh one Buccaneers start out really well. Intercept Joe Burrow on the first drive. You got a nice interception by Carlton Davis on a tip ball. Bucks go down, settle for a field goal. You you, you know didn't you know the last couple plays they end up settling for a field goal, but um, up three nothing. Go down and get up ten nothing, and then actually get up seventeen to nothing. So you're thinking things are you're showing some signs of life. The play calling's pretty good. What do you think the first? You know, of the first half performance, 17-3 at the half. Well, I thought, you know, the first drive, I mean, shocking development. Uh, you settle for a Ryan suck-up field goal. But after that, again, I, I thought the game plan was sound. I mean, you go with pass play action. Even Tony Romo mentioned it on the broadcast. They haven't done a lot of that this year. They also go for fourth down a couple times. So ultra aggressive, uh, if you will. I loved it. I, I thought, you know what? This uh, this could be a blowout. This could be a great day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, And then defensively, getting a turnover early. What kind of momentum was that to give, finally, uh, your offense a short field? So everything I thought was going in the uh, Bucks' direction. But, of course, we know how fast it can turn, don't we? 
Well, again, back to the first half. Again, you saw the Bucks make a conscious effort to get Mike Evans involved. Had I think he had all eighty of his yard. I think eighty all of his catches and yards were in the first half. I believe. Yes. Um, you know, you didn't see you didn't see as much interaction in the, in the second half. But again, conscious effort to get uh, Evans going. They did a good again, good job. I give give Byron Leftwich credit. The play calling was better. A little more play action. A little more under center. Not as much shotgun. You actually ran the ball okay when you did run the ball. So you were. You, you were able to hold those linebackers. And defensively, I thought the Bucs were excellent defensively that first half. Didn't like how easy they went down the field on the last drive to kick the field goal. Wish there would have been a little more resistance there. But again, all in all, 17-3 to three at the half, you had to feel great if you were a Buccaneer fan. And just to give you an idea, they doubled the plays of the Bengals 40-20. to 20. They tripled the yards 261-83. to 83. Of course, they had 14 more points, and Tom Brady at that time, 17 for 23, 200 yards, and of course, found Russell Gage and Chris Godwin for touchdowns. So you had to feel pretty good about it, and you're exactly right. I mean, the defensive matchup to everybody that was going to watch this game was going to be Carlton Davis versus Jamar Chase. I thought he did a splendid job of covering him, shutting him down, and that's the reason why the Bengals uh, were struggling in that first half because – Burrow could not find Chase, and they also had a couple sacks in yeah. that first half. So everything was going in the direction of the Bucks. No, you're right. I mean, seventeen to three. Again, this th- that was their best half of the year, I thought, based on yes. who they played, the right. way they played, the dominant level they played, and it gives and, and and I again, we're going to talk about this as we move forward. I know the Buccaneers lost the game; turnovers were terrible in the third quarter, but it shows you signs that if you play well. They're capable of playing well against some of the better teams in the league. And if you can just harness this effort and play a full 60 minutes, the Buccaneers still have a legitimate chance here to win a playoff game or two, I think. Absolutely they could, but can they sustain it? Can they continue to not shoot themselves in the foot? Because they did a lot of that on Sunday, and they've done a lot of that throughout the year with shooting themselves in the foot, with penalties and turnovers and everything else. You're absolutely correct. They have all the potential in the world to beat any NFL team, but they can't get out of their own way. So we go to the second half, 17 to three bucks, get the ball coming out of the half, which is even more good news. Fourth and one at the 34 fake punt called again. You and I have talked about, we want to see the bucks be a little more aggressive with Todd Bowles be capable of, of, you know, calling a trick play, calling a fake punt. They call the fake punt. Everybody on the on the on the punt team knows what's coming, except the guy who the ball's going to, Gio Bernard. For you know, whatever's going on, who knows? You thought he was still playing for the Bengals, obviously, because <laughs> he didn't know the plan. And I mean, it just comes down to what this team has done to themselves all year long: communication breakdown. How can you go for a fake punt and the guy that's supposed to make the play not know where he's supposed to be? Furthermore, why are you going for a fake punt? I get it. You're you're about to punt it to that offense, but your defense has played well. Why do that to yourself? And then you fumble the ball, and of course you give all the momentum back to the Bengals after that. Luckily, the Bucks hold them to a field goal, so it's still only seventeen to six. Again, give credit to the defense, keep them out of the end zone there. Now the turnover brigade starts. You got the inter- the bad interception by Brady, which he came out post game and said one thousand percent my fault. Just a bad throw. You know, third and five it was or something. They th- threw the ball outside. Give the guy credit. Made a nice catch. They go down and give up a touchdown there. Make it 17 to 12. 
Uh, then you come back with the with the fumble, the strip sack again. Hard to blame Brady because he's always pretty good in the pocket of keeping the ball. He gets stripped, fumbles, makes it. Uh, you know, again, now it turns into eighteen to seventeen. Fumble, the, the the to me the one that was the absolute killer was the missed handoff between Brady and, and Fournette. Not Fournette's fault. The ball never got to Fournette cleanly. Brady, the ball slipped out of his hands. Again, a very, un, like he mentioned, uncharacteristic. And again, it's true. I know it's a, the fourth turnover in a row. I get it. But the mishandle, a misplayed handoff is a very rare thing in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible sequence. It's, you know, again, the third quarter was uh, the bugaboo. It's It seems like it's been the bugaboo for this uh, team this year. And it's disappointing because you expect more out of Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. He's a guy that's not going to turn over the ball. And I feel bad for the defense because I thought the majority of the day they played well. In fact, the whole game they played well. But you can't ask a defense on a short field to stop an explosive offense like the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and Chase and keep them at bay and keep them the field goals because eventually it's not going to happen. And, uh, hey, the Bucs, uh, they figured that out because uh, they couldn't stop anybody in that third quarter. They couldn't stop anybody in that second half. Uh, and that was on the offense. That was on Tom Brady, especially. And then you had the disparaging part, I thought, was you had not, again, turnovers are bad and you don't ever want to turn the ball over. But all four turnovers were inside the 35-yard line or so. You know, it's not like not like we drove down to the 20 and had a miscue and made, had to make the Bengals go 80 yards. All the turnovers were, the Bucks never advanced the ball. They really didn't get the ball past midfield till the fourth quarter. And that was, to me, that's the strain you put on your defense. Sure, the turnovers are bad, but when you only have, you only have, when you only have thirty yards to defend, it makes it awfully difficult for the Bucks to make a stand and, and prevent scoring at all. Yeah, and then on top of it, you know what what went by the wayside? Not going uh, with the pass play action, which worked in the first half. Right. You don't see that happen anymore. Going to Mike Evans, you don't see that going anymore. Uh, trying to run the ball, you don't see that happening anymore. So it, it was just. Again, it's a head-scratcher. Who is calling the plays? I don't care anymore. I don't care if it was Todd Bowles. I don't care if it was Byron Leftwich. I don't care if it was Tom Brady. They need to get it together. It needs to be more consistent. And once again, we talked about this about three or four years ago with the turnover situation with Jameis Winston. When you turn over the ball and you allow your defense to have their backs against the wall on a short field, it's going to come back and haunt you. And that is the reason why the Bucks lost on Sunday. It was the fake punt, and it was the Brady four turnovers. Yeah. Let's get to um, a couple things in the second half again that were kind of turning points, in my opinion. Would have been a tough play. Not an impossible play, but it would have been a good ke- good catch. Sean Murphy Bunning drops an interception on the sideline. A, not, again, I'm not going to kill him for it. would have been a good, really good catch, but it's a catch a good cornerback makes. In that moment when you need to make a play, when teams are making plays, the cornerback catches that ball. Murphy Bunnings not able to hold on to the ball on the sideline, keeps a Bengal drive alive. They go down and score. So just those kind of plays, when your defense is playing well, the guys make that play. And that's why this defense doesn't have those turnovers like the other great teams. That's this. That's the difference. And Sean Murphy Bunting has all the potential in the world. I feel like we're talking about this team this year, has all the potential in the world to do some great things because we saw it in 2020 with him step up, and you know what? He hasn't been able to do it, and it goes a long way with getting interceptions. That's your job. Do your job, and it seems like this defense, especially in that back end, maybe Carlton Davis did it 
on Sunday, but everybody else you really don't know how to do their job. And uh, SMB is one of those guys. And we have to be fair. I mean, we don't like to. I, I don't like to do this. Levante David had a couple opportunities to stop guys on third down. Didn't do it. Extended drives turned into more points. So again, again, I'm not trying to be critical here, but Levante David has not been as effective as he's been in years past, whether that's a, 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 a result of age, wear and tear, who knows, but, Again, he had some opportunity, you know, the critical, again, maybe the biggest play of the game. You On fourth down, you sack Joe Burrow at the 50 on about a 20-yard loss, but we have we have Levante David hooking, you know, chase around the shoulder. That's going to get called every single time. You can't do that. And it's another situation where a critical penalty at a critical time costs this team an opportunity to have a big play and get the momentum back. It, it's to me, that might have been the turning point in the whole in the whole game. Is you have them, right. you stop them, sack them at the fifty. They go in and score a touchdown after that. They do, and you give uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, who you know, by the way, are on a winning streak coming into the game, and they're one of the upper echelon teams yep. that you can't afford to make those type of mistakes against. And you do it, and it comes back to bite you. And that is the sign of a bad team. And they continue to do yep. this over and over again. And whether it's the players, whether it's the coaching, somebody has to be held accountable. And this is the reason why they're six and eight. And a lot of people right now are looking at this team saying, look, I don't care if they win a division or not, or they get to the playoffs. If they play like this, they're getting bounced sure. out in the first round. But if no they doubt. have this type of effort, there's no guarantee, Jason Powers, that they're going to beat Arizona or Carolina yep. or Atlanta. Because if you play this type of football, the inconsistent type of football where you have penalties at critical situations, you turn over the ball, you're only once again scoring how many points in this game? 17? Oh, you get a garbage touchdown at the end, so it inflates it. Why does this team have so much difficulty when it comes to pass play action? Why does this team have so much difficulty when it comes to penalties? At the end of the day, it is on coaching, and it has to get better. Yeah. Or some people are going to lose their jobs. I'm not going to put it all on coaching. I, again, that they, they share in responsibility. We have enough veteran players that we should be able to be making, regardless of the coaching, we have enough veteran players that we should be playing better than this on both sides of the ball. Not, I mean, again. I agree. You, I agree with you. You can't put it all on the coaching. Change? Some of it is the coaching. What's the biggest change in this team this year? What's the biggest transition besides the obvious, the offensive line being hurt? And all the changes there. What is the biggest change on this team this year? I mean, again, I would say I would say the aggressiveness of the head coach. There you go. Which leads in all facets of the game. Correct. Going for it, not going for it, fake punts, not faking it, aggressive offensively. To me, that's the biggest change. Again, we talked about it. Todd Bowles, defensive guy, has been a conservative head coach typically. Give him credit. I'm not going to kill him for the fake punt. That's all on Gio Bernard. You it's, gotta terrible, know. it's a terrible call. I'm going to kill him on the fake okay. punt because at the end of the day, your defense is playing well. There's no need for it. If you believe in your defense at the end of the day, I mean, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Cincinnati? Because we all know that this team has not been able to execute any trick plays, but any, uh, any plays at the end of the day. Why do that? Why not put it in your defense's hands? This is what you've done. And then if you're going to go for it on fourth down, bring out Tom Brady and quarterback sneak it. Why be so exotic all of a sudden? I don't understand it. You're getting too cute at the end of the day. And I get it. We want him to be aggressive, but this was not the time and this was not the place. Wrong time, wrong place. All right. I'll disagree a little bit. 
Okay. You have a veteran player that's we're asking the vet, and I know the veteran player hasn't played much offensively. And maybe that's part of it that he's not as not as focused, but they practice his play all week with him in the game. It's not like he was a substitute. He was the guy the ball was getting snapped to. Everybody knew it but him. He's the I mean, I think you look at the replay, he'd have got the yard. He catches the, the ball, end, he runs. And then at the end of the game, he doesn't want to answer the question when uh, I agree. That's bad. They're trying to go, and then everybody's trying to make him look like you know, he's a easy, you know, he's a victim or something. I agree. I mean, go do the, you'll go answer the question, say whatever you want to about Tom Brady. And people are like, well, why don't journalists treat Tom Brady like that? Well, because he gets up to the podium. He answers the questions. He's accountable for his actions. This is the main problem with this team. You got a guy who doesn't want to answer the question to say that he's responsible for it. Then there's kind of like, well, was it a fake punt? Was it not a fake punt? Was the guy in the wrong? And then he goes, well, I'm accountable for it. It was my fault, my fault, my fault. After, you know, the rigmarole for journalists out there like Jenna Lane, who I've worked with before, and, yep. and she started out radio with myself, you know, trying to get a question, trying to do her job. And she is basically uh, vilified because she's trying to do her job because a guy is not trying to be accountable. That's the problem. Once that guy does that, bitch his ass. That's all you have to do at the end of the day. And I'm sorry, that's passion coming out because we need more of that on this team. People need to be benched. They need to be held accountable so this type of play doesn't happen again. It's completely inexcusable. The coach uh, should be you know, talked to by the owners. Why are you going for a fake punt? When your defense is playing that well and you uh, personally or you have this whole unit that has shut down this explosive offense, why are you doing it? And if you want to do it, once again, go for it with Tom Brady. He's a quarterback sneak machine. What are you doing? All right, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on the on the fake punt. Again, I can I can see your argument about putting Tom Brady out there if you want to go, but I don't. I'm not going to kill Bowles for for stepping out of the box of the norm and trying to do something that would have sparked the team a little bit. Again, I'm not going to, it's that one's all on Gio Bernard. Everybody, everybody admits he, he knew what was, you know, he, he, he missed the call or whatever. whatever. All right, let's go to special teams real quick. Yes. You had a missed field goal by suck up again, another three points that you don't get. You had Devin Tompkins try to be, uh, oh. try to make a play that had no business making running backwards and get tackled at the six yard line. Those are just things, again, he's a young player, so I know he's trying to make a play, and I get it, but you have to know know your role. Right. Your role is not to try to make dynamic, spectacular, run-across-the-field plays. Those plays don't work. Get what you can get on these kickoff returns. If a hole opens and you bust one for 30 or 40, great, but at least get the ball out to the 20-yard line. I agree with you on that, although, you know, I've been very critical of Jalen Darden going down. At that point, I would have liked to see Devin Tompkins go down. Yes. Get out of bounds. But Take I, your loss. Take your minimal also, gain and right, call it a day. To, he's trying to make a play, and it, you, it, it, it's, it was the whole day. You know, everybody's trying to make a play. They're trying too hard. You're not doing your job, and that's what it comes down to. You're right. All right. Bucks fall to 6-8, and 34-23 final. Um, again, the good news is and we're going to get to, we're going to get to the Arizona preview here in just a couple minutes after Paul Stewart. The good news is you're still in first place. New Orleans wins. Now all three teams are now five and nine behind the Buccaneers. So they're all within striking distance in theory, but again, it's an opportunity. The Bucks let loose. They could have been up two games and the division would have almost certainly been over at that point. 
Now you're only up one game on all three teams. You still have a matchup to to see the uh, Carolina Panthers in two weeks. You see the Atlanta Falcons in the in weeks uh, eighteen. So again, you're still in good shape from a from a divisional perspective that you see everybody. Um, but again, it was a missed opportunity. Again, the glimpses of hope for the Bucks is that you saw a really good first half. Both sides of the ball played well, penalty free for the most part. You played clean, not a good third quarter, not a good, you know, second half, especially the third quarter. So I think still, Peter Blake, there is still hope, though. I hope so. Uh, because if they come out with this type of game plan where they have pass play action and they're going to Evans and they're running the ball and they're becoming a balanced team, and I feel like you've got to be more balanced at this point. The offensive line isn't good enough to to hold up, and even when it is, Brady's not able to consistently cl- complete passes down the field. I'd rather have this type of game plan for the whole game instead of just a half. Sure. I get it, and I get it. Buck fans, I know we're all frustrated. We just don't understand how with so many veteran players, high-priced guys, guys that have won together, how we're just not able to put it together yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those years, Buck fans. At best, we're going to be 9-8. and eight. You're going to be the four seed. There's no doubt we're going to be the four seed. In almost all certainty, you're playing the Dallas Cowboys if you win the division. So to me... You have to use these next, and we're going to talk about this a little more in depth. You have to use these next three weeks to get ready for the Dallas Cowboys because that's who you're. You got to win the next. You got to win a couple of the next three. I get it, but Dallas is on your mind. Good news is we've already beaten the Dallas Cowboys week one. True. Well, the Dallas Cowboys are not playing as well as they were three, four weeks ago either. So it's not like they're high flying. They've lost. Dak Prescott has shown some flaws. That defense is not nearly as good as they've been. So, again, I think there's still hope, and we'll talk about the hope after as we get to the Arizona. But let's get to Paul Stewart. Mm-hmm. Paul Stewart's montage, Cincinnati Bengals Buccaneer history. You're going to hear some great audio clips, some great analysis. And after the, after the uh, montage, we're going to get back to the Arizona Cardinals Christmas Day preview. Uh, concerning that, and we're going to talk a little playoff opportunity and playoff perspective here as well. Enjoy the montage. Remember, you can go, you can watch this video montage, Buck Power TV on YouTube. Just search it. You'll see Paul in all his glory giving you the Bucks and Arizona Cardinals montage. We'll be back in just a minute or two. The Cardinals currently lead the series 11 10, but the two teams have only played six times in the last 15 years. Now, this, of course, will be the first time the Buccaneers have ever played on Christmas Day. So spare a thought for the players, coaches, officials, and definitely the radio sideline reporter who've got to go through the inconvenience of being away from their families on Christmas Day. Now, the first time the Bucs played the Cardinals was a truly memorable one. It was the first home victory in franchise history. The Bucs had broken their winless streak in New Orleans the previous weekend, and they came out onto the field and lined up as one long unit to appreciate and celebrate their fans. And they then gave the Buccaneer faithful something truly to celebrate, their first home touchdown of the season. They had scored just three points in six home games before Lewis Carter scored on a running play early in the game. And then later in the first half, Gary Huff found Morris Owens for a memorable touchdown pass. Gary Huff on the play action. Going deep. Way open. And touchdown for Morris Owens. Morris Owens with his third touchdown catch of the year. And Tampa Bay has jumped to a 13-0 lead. 
Now, the Buccaneer fans stormed the fields at the end of that game and tore the goalpost down in celebration. Well, it was only their second win after 26 straight losses, and I know a very young Nick Duglisi was in the stands that day. Now, during the mid-1980s, there were a couple of memorable games. In 1985, the Buccaneers actually shut out the Cardinals 16-0 for their first win of the season, and then gave up a staggering 62 points the following week against the Jets. In 1986, they played the season finale in St. Louis, and this is the game where linebacker Keith Browner allegedly fell asleep on the bench. Now, I've gone through this game footage trying to find it, and I can't see it, but I know from players involved that it really did happen. The Bucs have had some memorable collapses in their history, but the one in the 1987 road game with the Cardinals was truly epic. They led 28-3 with 15 minutes to go and lost. Steve DeBerg had thrown three touchdown passes, including this one to running back Jeff Smith, before the collapse began. Now, the Bucs still had a chance to tie after a two-minute drive by DeBerg led them into field goal range, but Don Zegre-Buique's 53-yard attempt hit the crossbar. It led to the epic headline, a buck is only worth three quarters. The following season saw a memorable Buccaneer touchdown in another narrow loss to the Cardinals. It was the late Lars Tate, who jumped over the line on a short yardage play, landed on his feet, and then raced untouched 47 yards into the end zone, the Cardinal defenders not realising the play was still alive. This one makes all the NFL blooper films as well. The Buccaneers got their revenge in the desert in 1989, a game they totally dominated, but it took a late drive and a fourth down touchdown pass from Vinny Testaverde to Mark Carrier to secure a 14-13 victory over the Cardinals. Now, a scheduling quirk meant the Bucks and the Cardinals played twice in the 1992 season, the season opener and the season finale, and the Buccaneers won them both. The opening game in Tampa Stadium was the first time the Buccaneers wore their orange pants in a regular season. And then five years later, in the pewter colours, they went to 5-0 for their second time in their history, beating the Cardinals 19-18 on a dramatic fourth down pass from Trent Dilfer to Carl the Truth Williams. The 2010 game was played on Halloween in the desert, and the Bucks had defensive big plays everywhere, and it was also the first sighting of LeGarrette Blunt hurdling a defender and making the highlight reels throughout the NFL for the week. The Bucks would win 38-35 in a real shootout. It's intercepted. He threw it right into the hands of Geno Hayes, and Geno Hayes has a touchdown Tampa Bay. Intercepted. That's Sean Jones. Correction. Akeem Talib. Akeem Talib has a Tampa Bay touchdown. But Garrett Blunt has room high stepping for a first down. And a lot more goes LeGarrette Blunt hanging onto the football. I honestly don't just pick clips where Chris Myers has made a mistake on the commentary. Chris is a really good guy and he calls Buccaneer games in the preseason. Now, the last time the two teams met was in 2019. 
The Bucks beat the Cardinals 30 to 27 when James Winston led his team downfield with a 92-yard drive, and Peyton Barber finished off with a touchdown run. All right, they put Zay again at the tight end position, and they're going to run it again. And finding the Peyton is Peyton Barber. Now, one strange trivia fact about the Cardinals is they've had three different names in their history of playing the Bucks: The St. Louis Cardinals, the Phoenix Cardinals, and then the Arizona Cardinals, as they're known now. But they're not the only NFL team the Bucks have had that strange fact against. You've got the Raiders, who've played in Los Angeles, Oakland, and Las Vegas. And you've also got the original Houston Oilers, who were the Tennessee Oilers in 98 when they played the Bucks, before becoming the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Washington football team, previously the Redskins, they've had a third name, the Commanders, but the Bucks haven't played them yet. That will come soon. Now, you can look back at all of those previous matchups, as well as those 21 games with the Cardinals, on BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. And as we approach this festive season, I'd like to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas from this side of the Atlantic. All right, welcome back. No quarter given podcast. I'm your host Jason, along with Peter Blake. We're yes, just, sir. yeah, we just uh, previewed, uh, reviewed, excuse me, the Bucks' 34-23 loss at home to the Bengals. Now we have a rare holiday game. First time the Bucks have ever played on Christmas. I know that. I don't think the NFL's much played on Christmas much in the past. The Bucks are going to be the prime. T- I think it's a triple header this weekend as well. Uh, you got a couple games on NFL Network, and you also have actually this week. I think it's a Fox, CBS, uh, NBC deal. I'm not sure there's an NFL Network game. We do have the 50th anniversary this weekend of the Immaculate Reception. You got the uh, Raiders heading back to Pittsburgh 50 years later after the Immaculate Reception. Franco Harris stunned the Raiders late. Uh, so that was a tremendous memory. Peter, Blake, you weren't even born yet. I wasn't, I wasn't even. Was that last Sunday when Chandler Jones got the gift? <laughs> yeah. I mean, was that what the Immaculate Reception was? I God. mean, I think there's a lot of Raider fans that are thinking that. I mean, did you see the end of that game? Can you but believe that? I could not believe that. That's trying to do too much at the end of the day. And basically the Patriots may have costed themselves a playoff spot because of stupidity. Just take the ball. Try to score if you can't. Go to overtime. Give yourself the opportunity. Crazy. Instead of pitching the ball back to Chandler Jones, who's been a man on a milk carton this year, who makes the biggest play of the game. Crazy. Uh Crazy finish. And like you mentioned, the playoff implications of that game was so enormous with the Patriots and other teams in the AFC. So that one will be one that will for sure come to roost. It's funny how Belichick has been involved in two of the craziest finishes in NFL history remember five or six years ago might have been yeah five or six years ago the Dolphins ran the 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 pitch play on the on the Patriots to win the game on the last play of the game remember Gronkowski was involved in that at the end of the play there where the Dolphins I think was Kate was it Kenyon Drake I believe it I believe it was and and that team was not good that year and they were just trying to look for a win and Gronkowski was trying to play uh, linebacker or safety or whatever he was trying to play but wasn't too good on his part uh he's not a tackler that's for sure and it uh, looked like uh that was that was a mess you also uh, remember this last Saturday how the Vikings yes (laughs) the, the greatest comeback in NFL history, you're down what? 
33 to nothing and then 36 to 7 late in the third quarter and Matt Ryan's a part of that and then the Texans having giving the Chiefs all kinds of problems so it yeah. was a wild week of uh comebacks and of course the Bucks were on the other end of that yeah right all right want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas Happy Holidays Happy I know Hanukkah's going on right now as we as we're celebrating Hanukkah uh, as well so uh, again I hope everybody has a good holiday Excuse me, holiday season coming up. If you're when you're listening to this, obviously Christmas is Sunday. Bucks are playing Sunday night in the desert in Arizona. Um, Peter Blake, give me a couple quick thoughts. Again, you're probably going to see potentially uh, uh, Chase or uh, McSorley, Trace McSorley at quarterback for the Cardinals. Colt McCoy was injured last week in Denver. We don't know his status officially, but probably a pretty good chance you're going to see McSorley face the Buccaneers on Christmas night again in a must-win game the Cardinals are in full free fall I believe they're four and ten is their number no Kyler Murray no Colt McCoy you still have uh Hopkins you still got James Conner the defense has been playing okay your thoughts going into the into the desert Arizona Cardinals easy winnable game versus a third string quarterback that's never easy bro it ain't easy this year it ain't easy this year it ain't easy in the National Football League because it means no friggin' logic but I I guess my point of emphasis would be, uh, I don't know, beat the Cardinals, take care of business one game at a time, uh, try to sack uh, Trace McSorley as many times as you can, try to shut down DeAndre Hopkins, looking at you, Carlton Davis, again with that matchup. And uh, Tom Brady, don't turn over the ball. I mean, I never thought we had to go into a no-quarter-given podcast and say, hopefully Tom Brady doesn't turn over the ball. I mean, maybe... Todd Bowles was foreshadowing a couple weeks ago when he was saying, well, I'm afraid my quarterback's going to throw an interception. So that's why I'm out in the last two minutes, because I tell you right now, he's got to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And then furthermore, Byron Leftwich or whoever's calling the plays at this juncture, they got to have a game plan that comes out and is solid, establish that balance to your run game and also go pay pass play action down the field. And can this team score more than 17 points this week? Can they well, do it, Jason Powers? Well, Brett Rippon from the Denver Broncos scored 24 last week, again, against this Arizona defense. So there's plays to be made out there. The good thing about Brady, again. Was it Mark Rippon? Was it? Was, it was his son. It's his nephew, old, nephew, oh, nephew. Nephew. Okay, well, we're getting old here when we're saying Brett Rippon. But if Brett Rippon and that god-awful Denver Bronco offense, yep. which struggled all year long, with Russell Wilson can score 24 points, man, the Bucs should be able to score at least 30, right? And Latavius Murray had a very big day running the ball, over 120 yards rushing for Denver. So there'll probably be, there will be some opportunity in the run game. I have an interesting, it'd be interesting to know, if we don't know the status yet. Will Tristan Wirfs potentially return at right tackle this mm-hmm. week? I know that he, he was, he was practicing last week, wasn't quite ready to go, but he was practicing so I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if he, he if he gave it a go this week in such a critical game for the Buccaneers. You have again the other teams in the division have some tough matchups. But again, if you're the Buccaneers, you got to stay ahead. You you, you can't you you, you got to win this game. This is a, again we've had other issues with third string quarterbacks. Pittsburgh, Carolina. You got to put the, your foot on their throat early here in Arizona. There won't be a huge crowd in Arizona. You don't think there'll be a lot of empty seats there. There won't be a lot of emotion in the building, I wouldn't think. So that's that's a benefit to the Buccaneers coming in on the road. This is a game. If you play another good first half like you did against Cincinnati, like you said, it might be a comfortable second half for the Buccaneers, hopefully. Yep, just uh, keep the pedal to the metal.
All right, again, playoff scenarios is, is pretty simple for the Buccaneers. They're going to be the four seed if they win the division. Um, you got Carolina in two, not this week, but following week. Again, if you can have a two-game lead, Carolina, I believe, plays the, the streaking Detroit Lions, so not an easy game for Carolina. Atlanta plays at Baltimore. That won't be an easy game. I don't know who New Orleans plays. I don't have the schedule right in front of me who New Orleans has. But, again, it's an opportunity here for the Buccaneers to extend the lead to two games to where next week's game at home against Carolina isn't for all the marbles. Because if you lose next week at Carolina, home against Carolina, only up one game, you're now tied in the loss column, and Carolina would then have the tiebreaker advantage for the Buccaneers. So this week is a critical week if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, we don't know the status of Tristan Wirfs. I know Antoine Winfield left the game. Hopefully he's able to return this week. We'll see. Uh, but again, I was encouraged by the defense last week. Again, the you're not, I don't think you're going to see Tom Brady. Again, the second interception, got his arm hit, fluky play. So I'm not going to kill him for that. Uh, but you can't have the mishandled handoffs. you got to protect the ball in the pocket. Um, and again, if you do that, I don't think you're going to see three or four turnovers out of Tom Brady moving forward. I like it. All right. Give me a prediction, sir. You know what? I'm not going to do a prediction this week. I'm just going to say Bucks are going to win. Okay. I'm so terrible when it comes to score <laughs> predictions at this point. I've lost all my money betting on this team. In fact, I think there's a statistic out there like three and nine against the spread. Yeah, not so, good. You know what? Bucks are going to win, and that's it. How about I like that? It. I like yeah. it. You like it. What about you? I'm going to say Bucks win. Too. I'm going to say Bucks win by ten points. I, I'm like you. Won't, I won't give a score, but I'll give a number. I'll say Bucks win by ten points. Ten to um, Let's see the defense score this week. We I, I can't tell you that. Have we? Has the Buccaneer defense scored all year since Mike Edwards uh, against Jameis Winston in Week Two? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's been Week Two. Is there another one that you can think of? At this I can't. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you, man. But I at one place I can say. Go to buckpower.com and you'll be able to find out when the last time the Bucks scored on defense. So buckpower.com is your is your place. What will Peter Blake, before we get out of here, what's Peter Blake's Christmas Day and Christmas Eve look like? Uh getting up a little bit early, opening some gifts, hanging out with family here, and sitting down and watching the Bucks win. That's the that's what I want for Christmas, Santa. A Bucks win. That's it. No more coal in the stocking. I've been a good boy. Jason Powers, maybe not so much because he's still hanging out there in Ebor, and he's taking me, you know, over there and escorting me over there, and I'm trying to tell him no. He's, like, having too much eggnog. Santa, I didn't do it. We don't deserve this as Bucks fans. Bucks need to win. We deserve it because that's what we want for Christmas. So that's what I'm going to be doing on Christmas Day. Keep me out of the clubs on Christmas Eve, Jason Powers. Peter Blake. I mean, they probably do close a little early. The girls have to wrap presents too now. <laughs> There's a joke there, but I'm not going to address it. At all. Well, Buck fans, have a great Christmas. In all seriousness, have a great holiday with your families. Um, you know, everybody celebrates Christmas differently. So however you celebrate it, have fun. Think of all the good things in your life. I know not everybody's, you know, doing as well as they want to do and we get it, but definitely think about uh, all the good things in your life that in your family, uh, you know, not too much a, eggnog there, Jason powers. We'll try not to. I don't want to be in a drunken stupor by eight o'clock to hear Collinsworth and Tarico <laughs> from the desert. You saved that for like nine 30 when the bucks are struggling. <laughs> After the fifth punt by your boy, the punt god. <laughs> the punt god, right, exactly. 
Great pick, Jason Light. We we didn't know how much we're gonna use him this year, but ah, uh, he's been used a lot. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, Buck fans, thanks for joining us again. Remember, go on all your appreciate you. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform. No quarter given podcast. Check out my powers on sports podcast as well as the uh, No Quarter Given podcast, as well as one more edition of the Florida Football Insiders podcast, which which will be coming out between Christmas and New Year's. We'll be previewing the national championship semifinals and some bowl activity. Peter Blake, tell everybody where they can find all your great work. Yeah, it's the Sports Web live on Facebook at I Love St. Pete, The Hub, and Amped Up Sports. And, of course, like and subscribe to Sports Web on YouTube on Monday and Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock. And, of course, after the game, win or lose, do three things. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. And I'll make a, I'll make a, I'll make a prediction. I'm going to be on your, I'm going to be on the post game show this week. Win or lose? No, I'm not. Even, I'm not coming on if we lose. But when we win, why not? No, no. Those we- are the mo- those are the the best. Uh, you know, those are the best post games. That's when everybody wants to yell and scream. And of course, everybody's off that night. It's Christmas night. And I don't have to work the next day, which is great. So I could stay up all night long and hear people saying how bad this is and how bad that is. But, yeah, you're exactly right. I wouldn't come on a podcast or a show either. I wouldn't come on the sports web if they lost. I wouldn't. But All right, I'll make you a deal. Since it's Christmas, I'll come out win or lose. Okay. Win or lose, I'm on with you post-game Sunday night. Okay. Uh, it'd be nice if you invited me on as a guest, but hey. I invite you on. You're invited on. You're always invited on the sports web. I'll just send you the link. You're always invited. Come on. Exactly. We'll, we'll definitely do that. All right. Make sure, you get, world, right make, sure you get, make sure you get Mama Sandra a nice gift under the tree, at least one sure. good thing. Absolutely. We'll get her a couple good things. Leave out some cookies and cookies and milk for the for Santa and their and his ladies coming down your chimney. No hanky panky down the chimney now, okay? Okay, sounds good. The ladies, just leave the ladies, Santa. Elves, lady elves, lady elves. Okay, all right. And lady reindeer. It's not Rudolph, but the lady reindeer too. Lady reindeer, yes. It's nice. It is supposed to be cold this weekend here in Tampa, so bust out a long sleeve shirt and a light jacket. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm gonna stay in. I'm not going out and doing anything. I'm staying in uh, hot cocoa or some uh, eggnog. Not too much eggnog, by the way. Not eggnog? even real eggnog. Yeah, it's it, not good for the stomach. I heard. Not for yeah, eggnog is is rich. Very. If you not had eggnog, is yes. very rich. I used to have it a lot as a kid, but uh. it's very rich and it's not very good for the waistline either. It's not. It's high calories. <laughs> You want to put those LBs on during the holiday season. And I know, Pete, I know you have some, you've had some, from time to time, some intestinal issues. We don't, we don't want to be mixing eggnog in with the, with all that crap food that you like to eat. Oh, you mean the chicken wings? I mean, that's only once a week. You don't do it all the time, but you made the mistake of drinking eggnog before you got to go into work. You start at 10 o'clock. That's a problem. Hour. And then about 15 minutes later, you're going to the can. And that's <laughs> Boss, man, I need a bathroom break. I'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> well, I work from home. So when I go on break, everybody thinks like there's a fire drill or <laughs> my house because I can't take a break. So I have to run there quick. I'm like, oh, God, six minutes, the first hour, they're going to kill me. But they don't say nothing. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Have a good holiday, Peter Thank Blake. Buck fans, we'll see you next week. No quarter given podcast. 
Please, 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 let's be seven and eight heading please. to the Carolina game. I, I'll tell you right now, if they lose, I'm on air. I'm going to drink a whole gallon of eggnog, and then you won't have me on a post-game show because I'll be off to the can uh, getting rid of all that stuff that I drink. Because Thank you, Paul Stewart, for all you've done for us. Merry Christmas <laughs> to everybody out there. Happy Hanukkah and all that good stuff. And so happy holidays from the No Quarter Given podcast team, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. And again, YouTube channel. You can Google Buck Power TV. Just not Google the search for Buck Power TV. So see you next week, Buck fans. No Quarter Given podcast. We're going to see you at 7 and 8. Have a great holiday. We'll see you next time. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.